on Brooklyn's Radio. This is Janet Shell's Classical Collection. And now it's time for me to welcome my two guests. We have Jane Booth. Hello, Janet. And we have John Irving. Hello, Janet. And together they form part of, anywhere you found it, I think, the D-Note Ensemble, the Wind Ensemble. Tell me something about that. Well, Ensemble D-Note has a number of different configurations uh, the next outing is all winds but it's quite often keyboard strings winds in various mixtures um, mm-hmm. it was founded back in 2009 mm-hmm. at the university of london when i was director of something called the institute of musical research there and what i wanted to do was bring together academics who had an interest in period performance mm with players that Jane and I work with professionally because each of us has a foot both in the academic Mm -hmm. or institutional and performance camps and I just wanted to do something to bridge the gap between those two worlds and it grew from there great um from some of our listeners they may be wondering what um you mean by period instruments and so perhaps jane you could just enlighten us as to why things are would perhaps be slightly different well when john and i perform we play on instruments that the composers would have recognized yeah so um sometimes these are historical original instruments um from the time that are either still in very good working order or they've undergone restorations mm-hmm. to bring them back to um, concert level can i just ask you do do uh, do people still make those instruments as they would have been made or are they always on historical instruments yeah uh, sometimes we play on copies oh, yeah. and in fact um the piece you're about to hear mm-hmm. is performed on a reproduction clarinet made in holland by a very talented man called peter van der Poel, mm-hmm. and a reconstruction forte piano made by paul McNulty. Paul McNulty. Okay, right, great. And yes, tell us something about the first piece we're going to hear, in fact. So this is an arrangement um, of Mozart's clarinet quintet, Mm. an arrangement made for clarinet and piano. Now, it wasn't made for John and I to play together. This arrangement is an old one. It was made in 1808. And was recently republished. Um, the the original copy is in the British Library. Right. Christopher Hogwood found it and has published it. And we have been really pleased um, with his find because it's perf- provided a perfect piece for John and I to uh, show our to, to to work on in the last few years. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think we'll just have a little listen to that now, and that will be something for us to uh, talk a bit about afterwards. Okay, so this is the clarinet. Quintet, Quintet, and uh, it's played by John and Jane here. listening to the classical collection on Brooklyn's radio with Janet Shell. 
You are indeed, and I'm very honoured to have guests uh, who are married to each other, by the way, Jane Booth and uh, John Irving here. And we were hearing from Jane a little bit earlier about uh, some of the clarinet piece, uh, the Mozart that we just heard. And in fact, Mozart is really your speciality, isn't it, John? Yes, that's right, and it has been for quite some years now. I first encountered his music at the age of about eight, if I remember rightly, and I've never really been able to get it out of my mind since, mm. but I've only seriously been writing about his instrumental music for about the last 20 years. So which is so. instrumental music that you're particularly focused That's on? That's my particular focus, the piano sonatas, string quartets, mm -hmm. concertos particularly. Great. And you've written several books as well, haven't you? Had them published? Yes, I think there were five last time I looked. The <laughs> most recent thing is a rather interesting venture into the world of digital publishing. It's an iBook mm. for the iPad called the Mozart Project, which I was asked to contribute to best part of two years ago now. Right. These things take a while to uh, bear fruit, but mm -hmm. it's now out there on the iBook store. It was released in May, mm -hmm. and apparently within five days it was the number one non-fiction bestseller, perhaps because Stephen Fry started tweeting about it, saying <laughs> wow. what a revolutionary concept it was. I wish I could claim the credit <laughs> for technology, but I only wrote some of it, but also play a number of extracts and oh. audio interviews on it because the point is it's a digital interactive yes. resource and if you want to learn more you click on this and all of a sudden you hear me playing some bit of a Mozart piano That's quartet. a brilliant idea. Really, really fine idea. And where did you sort of record? Have you got recording stuff at home or did you have to go into a studio to do that? Or? For that we went to Winchester College which oh, was yes, a really lovely day out mm. I have to say even though it started snowing halfway through <laughs> and they didn't tell me that we would have to lug the forte piano up one flight <gasps> of stairs to get to the hall. It was worth it. Is it one of those you have to take, you take the legs off and everything? Yes, you take yeah. the legs off and oh. you get it on its side on a trolley oh my God. and you wheel it to the accessible entrance and then they tell you <laughs> that actually the room you're using is up a flight of stairs, so then you get three or four heavies to help you take it up. Oh, I know, yes. I've, I've done various things like that with various harpsichords, it has oh, yes. to be said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the time yeah, with heavy yeah, harpsichords yes, and yeah. stuff. Forty pianos are a bit heavier. Well, they are indeed, <laughs> exactly. And, um, I mean, I did a programme about um, pianos and the development of the piano in my very uh, unknowledgeable way. I did a bit of research. And, of course, instruments um, changed quite a lot within that period of time from Mozart onwards. You know, by the time you get to Beethoven, the piano's already got is it an extra octave on it or something. It was something very, mm. very different. Yeah. It depends very much on the country and on the maker. Oh, right. It's not simply a question of more notes, Everybody more did octaves. It, right. There are several different varieties coexisting, but the instrument I was playing in the first mm. track that we, we heard and yes. also that we'll hear a little bit more of towards the end of the interview is, as Jane said, a copy of a Paul McNulty instrument from about 1795, made mm. in the late 1980s. It's a five-octave instrument, very much of the kind that Beethoven, when he was 
becoming a well-known virtuoso mm. as well as a composer would have been playing in concerts right. in Vienna. Mozart yes. owned one of these as well. Mm, great. And um, the next piece that we're going to hear in a moment uh, is a piece by Gosek. And uh, Jane, you were saying that actually this is something you're going to be playing uh, in your Isha concert. Yes, indeed. Um, the concert that we're giving in a couple of weeks' time in Isha mm-hmm. is a wind ensemble programme. So we have two clarinet players, that's myself and Sarah Smith, and we have a dynamic bassoon player by the name of Nathaniel Harrison, Mm -hmm. who whizzes up and down his almost bare bassoon um, like there's no tomorrow it's um it's going to be a great program it's largely very virtuosic music because Gosh. that was the trend mm. in france at the time i think in in france um it, it's been a feature of the wind music that there's a lot of virtuosic and really stretching the instruments mm. to the limits of their capabilities i think that's one of the things we find on period instruments is, right. is you really see a composer yes. challenging not just the player but the instrument to really deliver something new which is why they wanted the instruments to keep developing i guess because it was never quite enough they had ideas to take the stretch instrument further or did they actually just work with what they had and take it to the end degree well there were there were both people on both sides of the of of the fence on that really Mm. um there were really conservative types who said you will ruin an instrument if you put more keys on it or if you change the mechanisms and other people who said yes but i want to be able to move into more keys and i want to be able to do everything Mm. with my clarinet so you you had these sort of other battles going on um in the conservatoire about which was the right instrument to take um but we'll be playing on simple classical instruments we'll Mm -hmm. be whizzing up and down um (laughs) but this gossip piece actually is a quiet hymn he wrote this over breakfast in Mm. around 1780 in a small village outside of paris he wrote it because the curate asked for a piece for the morning service and there were three singers friends of gossip uh, with him then and so he wrote something for the three singers and we will be playing this O Salutaris which is a very beautiful yes. um, piece. Well, should we, should we hear a bit of, a bit yes. of you playing it now? Let, let's have a listen to that. Okay. So there we heard, um, not our present uh, guests, well, one of them, but we heard uh, Les Jacobins uh, from their CD Aux Armes Citoyens, and we heard a Mathieu Lucier arrangement of that wonderful gossip piece, and Jane Booth was playing with one of your uh, students, I gather, or former students, Martin Carpentier. Is that right? Well, the the Jacobins are an ensemble that work in Montreal. Oh, yes. Um, And I haven't taught in Montreal as yet, but I did go to Montreal to make the CD and to work with the group. Lovely. However, when we play our concert in Isha, then I will be accompanied by one of my former students, Sarah Smith. Oh, I got you. Yes, sir. I remember there was something about a former student. We have lots of clarinet players and bassoon players. So, um, yes, on... 
on the 16th of July, I'll yeah. be joined by Sarah Smith, who was at the Guildhall School a few years ago. She's Yay. now really busy <laughs> in the music profession, both on modern clarinet. She plays with Britain Symphonia, great, or- uh, great orchestra. Oh, yes. And she works with us quite often in ensemble D-note. So um, something I was going to ask you, you know, here we all are. I've done some early music mm. as well in the past. Uh, well, still do when I get the opportunity. But um, what about the next generation? You know, we've learnt a lot about performance styles over the years. I was saying that in the 70s, I really became aware of a big movement, a big change in performing practice that said, hey, listen, this isn't how it would have sounded to Mozart or to Bach or to Beethoven, indeed. It's much more that this is the kind of instruments they would have heard and this kind of performing technique as well. So what's happening with our next generation? Well, I think there's always something new to learn. There's always new Mm. information coming out. And I think we need to encourage the next generation to just think about how they want their music to sound. Um, I don't want to play as if I'm in a museum, but sometimes there's information that really stimulates my musical mind and gets me excited about a piece and gives me ideas. And some of those ideas come from the instruments, from playing instruments that that are made of very different materials and that work very differently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that tells you something about the music and so that's why I love to share those instruments with students who perhaps spend most of their time on big black clarinets Mm. with lots and lots of silver keys and say have you had a look at this really simple one and see how that works and what what are the do they encounter a big problem with the embouchure difference or is there is this something that they go oh my gosh I, I can't even begin to play this how does this work well of course it's it's the whole setup is very different mm. um, and you need to have a bit of patience and you need to be prepared to go back to the beginning for mm-hmm. a little while and to see and to rebuild a different kind of technique and to see if, if that suits you. Can the two techniques marry together? Because I'm thinking about me singing um, in an earlier music style and then singing a Verdi Requiem. Obviously I don't sing them the same way and and I want to be as authentic as I can to both those styles. Mm. Um, on a on a voice that that that's something to do with vibrato mm. and um and actually the ornamentation involved mm. is it is it more than that with with an instrumental change though i mean can you can you play both or do you really have to specialize in the end well many people play play both and in fact in my own professional life although i specialize in historical instruments mm. with some of the orchestras that i've played with and i currently uh, work a lot with the academy of ancient music mm-hmm. and with the orchestra of the age of enlightenment um, we play music from a range of periods so sometimes i'll be playing on an instrument that is very very similar to a modern clarinet right. and um, the trick for me is to remember all of my fingerings oh, when yeah, i've got quite. different kinds of uh, different kinds of keys and different placements of keys on each instrument Um, but uh, you know we build up muscle memory Mm -hmm. and um, you look at the music and you've got this thing in your hand so you, you, you sort of instinctively orient your finger patterns around the instrument and, and around around um, what the ear is telling me so my ear tells me if something's not right and I mm-hmm. and I have to make adjustments Fine, okay and uh, John, going back to yourself and your musical life, you do you, like Jane, you're uh, an educator as well, aren't you? And uh, yes, that's you right. teach and as well yeah, as perform. Well, we've already had a shameless advert for the Guildhall School of Music and yes, Drama Yes, which is fine so because I went there, one that's now fine. For Trinity Laban <laughs> Conservatoire of Music and Dance Yes, yes we work in rival conservatoires Uh, Jane is head of historical performance at the Guildhall and I'm professor of performance practice at Trinity Laban but it's quite 
a challenge at times mm. to make all the different aspects of our academic and management and performing lives marry up effectively. And also, I mean, the point is that, that you, want, you don't want to end up being a jack-of-all-trades. You want to be able exactly. to give yes. the full yes. um, complement to each Yes, aspect. and that really is the heart of the challenge, to have the time to do what you're trying to do mm. at the same time as you have the energy and the focus for doing that. And presumably you're doing the research yeah. into all the pieces that you're performing mm. And which is great then, because you then bring all that into the music instead of having to tell somebody else about it. But that must take up a huge amount of time. Do you get any free time at all? I mean, how does all that work? Well, yes, we do get free time. But doing the background research for our programmes is fascinating because it's looking at the source materials from the 18th and early 19th centuries Mm. in new ways to see what they might reveal about playing styles. Uh, One particular thing that we do in the note is arrangements usually historical arrangements that were made in the late 18th early 19th century of pieces like the Beethoven septet which Beethoven himself arranged for a trio or his piano and winds quintet which he arranged as a piano quartet in fact we recently recorded both Uh of those arrangements for a cd that we hope will be out later this year and very fortunately for us, you've brought us along a copy of that CD, I yes. think, for us to yeah. have a listen to. Yeah. So just um, tell us what we're going to be hearing now in well, a little what bit more detail. What we'll hear in the final track in this interview is the finale from what most people will recognise, if they know the piece, as Beethoven's Quintet for Piano and Winds, Opus uh-huh. 16, which was completed in late 1796, though not performed until the following year. But the first edition of this piece is rather interesting in that you don't have a score, not normal in those days to have a score. You have a piano part and you have all of the individual parts for the winds and also, alternatively, for strings. And on the title page it says that the piece can be performed either as a quintet with piano and winds or as a quartet with piano and strings. And this is, I think, the first period instrument recording of Beethoven's own arrangement for strings. So tell us who's on this recording then. And we have on this recording Marcus Barcham Stevens playing the violin, Peter Collier on the viola, Ruth Alford on the cello and me on the piano. Great, well I'm looking forward I think we'll have a listen to that right now. just saying I just love the energy in that performing so my thanks very very much to Jane and John who are in with D-Note Ensemble Ensemble D-Note I think is the correct way to say it and um what else, what have you got coming up? What sort of things? Where can we where can we see you apart from Anisha on the 16th of July which I'm about to talk about what what else have you got coming up? Well, after the July concert, we'll be heading up north. We're going up to the North York Moors to mm. a 
beautiful village called Lies. It's just outside Whitby. Most people know oh, where yes. Whitby is. It's a beautiful part of the world. In Lies, we'll be uh, leading a chamber music course for five days in uh, July 20 to 24 where people can come uh, with experience of playing keyboards and clarinets and they can try playing historical instruments for themselves yes and the local connection there is that a very fine maker of forte pianos like you've been hearing called Johanna Secker actually has his workshop just 300 yards up wow. the road from the church oh, where we'll be working and he's a really magnificent maker, superb instrument. So mm. it's a great opportunity to put period instrument playing together with craftsmanship. Well, that's great. And there'll be there'll be uh, forte piano, harpsichord, clavichord, and, and of uh, course clarinets, wind instruments, basset horns, and chalumeaux for people to play and experience. What's a chalumeau? Chalumeau is an instrument with a a bit like it's a bit of a mix of a recorder and a clarinet. Different sizes, family of instruments, oh. beautiful hooting sound. Brilliant. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Janet, very much. Lovely to be here. It's been great, and I'm looking forward to the concert on the 16th. Thank you very much. So that was our lovely guests from the D-Note, from the Ensemble D-Note. And that concert, I'm going to give the details of that right now. So that will be on the 16th of July. It's a lunchtime concert, and it's a free concert. Um, and they will be playing works by François de Vienne and Jean-Xavier Lefebvre. And uh, it's going to be the clarinet uh, ensemble. It's going to be, uh, remind me, Jane, because I've got something different down here, I think. Oh, well, it'd be two clarinet players, myself and Sarah Smith, and one bassoon, That's Nathaniel it. Harrison. That's it. Thank you very much indeed. And if you'd like to go to that, it's in Christchurch at Isha. It will include a light lunch, and there'll be a retiring collection. So if you would like to partake of the lunch, it's at 12.45. The concert itself begins at 10 past one. If you'd like to book tickets for that, the box office is 01372 462282. The website is ishaparish.org.uk. And I, for one, will be there, and I hope to see many of you there too. Brooklyn's Radio.